Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. God is good. Praise the Lord all the time. All right. Happy Fourth of July, if we have not said that enough. So I'm sure, man, I'm sure we have plans and you have uh, maybe a barbecue to get to, a pool party to get to, or just go home and watch whatever you're going to binge watch on maybe because I know that they show like Independence Days all day and they show all these movies. Whatever you're going to do today, enjoy it with a good heart um, and hopefully get around some people you love and just have a, a wonderful day today. Amen. All right. Um, today what I want to do is I want to continue to jump into our series and uh, more than a letter, and we're going we're gonna to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you could turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, I believe it's going to be a, an encouraging message. And um, it's going to be an inst- a, 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 truly an instruction to our lives. I know last week I was truly blessed by delivering the message, but as I delivered, I also received the message. And um, I know it was a, a blessing to, uh, to hear that phrase, that I live for God. Amen. If you have not heard last Sunday's message, you truly have a homework assignment, and that is to go back and listen to our part seven of our series of we make, uh, of more, I was going to say we make more, of more than a letter, all right? Make sure that you do that. Today we are, can you believe this? We are in the fourth chapter. We're going to end it, um, and it is the eighth message on this letter. So imagine where we're going, all right? Imagine where we're going. And if you were going to title this message anything, you should title it this. If you take down your, take out your notepad there or your smart device, your pen there, and write this down. It's a question, actually, the title, and it's should Christians suffer? I was going to call it, I was going to call it something else in regards to suffering. But I thought once I, I was done with it, I said, I'm just going to be straight up with it and ask the question, should Christians suffer? How would you answer that? Should Christians suffer? I think in this church, we know the answer right away. Uh, in, the, in how we've taught here and how we've gone through Scripture here, we should know the answer to that question, should Christians suffer? But there are many places and many times where Christians don't understand the joy in suffering, don't understand the responsibility they have in suffering. Maybe you're here today and you've been serving the Lord for X amount of time and you're like, well, I can't relate to this message because I've never suffered in my life as a Christian. I want you to know today that you have a special grace over your life (laughs) and a special blessing over your life. I say that and it's funny, but the reality is my suffering compared to another person's suffering may be a joke. It may be something to laugh at in itself. You know, we sometimes talk about the persecuted church, and we talk about those who are risking their lives, many who have died for the name of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel, and they are suffering for Christ. Many horrific acts of torture have been done to them or to their family for the sake of the gospel, and they could say, well, we've suffered for Christ. How about you? And I could tell them what my persecution sounds like, and maybe they laugh. 
And maybe they would say, wait a minute, that's your suffering? And compared to their suffering, it's probably a field day. It's probably the best day of their lives. But you know, I've learned doing life with people that your suffering is still your suffering. Wherever you're at in your journey, your suffering is still your suffering. And learning how to be sensitive to every single person's suffering. When you think about our suffering, well, think about our leader. Think about who we place our trust in. Think about who we follow. Our God himself, the name above all names, himself, Jesus Christ, he laid his life down and he suffered. And he suffered plenty for the love and for the sake of all of us. So when we talk about suffering, Christ suffered. And if Christ suffered, we have an answer right there and say, who am I to think that suffering is not in my future? Amen? I know, it's like, how can you just say that like that? First Peter chapter 4, we're going to uh, continue uh, where we left off last week. And we, we left off in verse 11. And today we're going to jump into uh, verse 12 of chapter 4. It depends what translation you're reading from, but... In the, in the subtitle up there, it probably mentions something about suffering. Mine does. Mine says suffering for being a Christian. You could suffer for many things in your life. But I'm, I'm not talking about just suffering for anything. I'm not talking about suffering because you're, you're a bad employer. Like, you're a bad employer. You deserve to suffer. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about suffering as a Christian. And, and that's, that, that's exactly... Uh, where we're at, like, oh yeah, I've suffered in this. Well, sometimes we're going to see that in our notes today, that sometimes, like, we deserve some of the suffering. And it's not even because we're Christians. It's just because, like, you asked for it, and that's why you're suffering. You with me? So, but what we're talking about today is different. Let's go ahead and go to verse 12. Let's, let's, and we'll stop, and we'll go, and we'll stop like we do. Verse 12 says this. I'll read from the New Living, and, and we'll go from there. He says, Peter writes, dear friends, don't be surprised. Everyone say surprised. Yeah, don't be surprised. Another translation will say, or don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. Look what he says. At the fiery trials that you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Verse 13, instead be very glad. Pause, think about that for a moment. Listen to what Peter is saying. Instead, be very glad. And then he goes on, he says, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his sufferings so that you will have the wonderful joy, I love this verse, of seeing his glory when it is revealed all, to all the world. It's a very powerful scripture there. So we, we just stop right there because really, if you really just dissect these two verses, you, you could stay on these two verses for, for a long time. Because these two verses are saying a lot of things. And it's, and, 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 and it's, and it's some very deep and serious uh, conversation that Peter is having uh, with the church. And, and if you look at verse 12 as we started. And if you remember what we spoke about last week. You'll see that Peter in chapter 4 verse 12 as he's writing this letter, he's taking a turn in his writing. He's, he's, he's almost 
not uh, forgetting about what he's written. He's introducing and he's going to focus on something else. So, so it's very interesting as we're studying this the way that we are, as we're preaching this and learning this every Sunday. It's cool to see like the dynamics and, and the thought process of Peter's writing. Because as he writes now, he moves his focus to spend some time to talk about suffering now. Before he was talking about, hey, remember the brothers and sisters, y'all got to get along. Y'all got to make sure that this is healthy and this is right. He, he spoke about so many different things that we just learned last week. And now he shifts from, wait a minute, I want to talk to you a little bit about suffering. Imagine reading this all in one shot. You'll be like, Peter, you're all over the place. And what Peter is doing is, as an apostle, he's getting as much information out to the church as he can. So I'm going to talk to you about a little bit about everything. Because soon, guess what Peter's going to write about? Oh, and also, beware of false teachers. <laughs> You're going to be like, what are we talking about? Everything. So, so Peter is going, to, is going to hit the whole board. And he's going to try to attack everything that the church needs to hear to continue to go forward. He's going to talk about people that come into the camp, stir up strife and divisions and are false teachers. He's going to talk about people that are fighting with one another and how to have brotherly love. He's going to talk, he talked about so many different things. But in this passage here, in these few verses, he takes time to, to, to just focus and make sure that the church understands what biblical suffering is and what it looks like. And he tells his brothers and sisters in which he leads. And I paraphrase, hey, don't, be surprised. Don't think that it is strange if you enter into times of suffering. Because suffering is part of the norm for your lives. And that's what Peter is writing. And you open that and you read that and you're like, geez. Suffering is part of the norm. I thought about that and I thought about how no one likes to hear that. You like to hear that? Hey, sir, you've ever, you've ever followed one of those accounts on, um, on Instagram, maybe it's a pastor, and they, they put every Sunday how many people got saved on that Sunday? Fifteen decisions were made today in our 15th, in our 15th service, and they talk about like 20-something decisions were made. Can you imagine in, one of, in those decisions after, they get, after people get saved, like now, now that you got saved, your calling is a calling to suffer. Can you imagine that? What an introduction to, to Christianity. Can I unsave myself? All right, that's a whole other doctrinal uh, conversation. We'll get into that. Can I go back and recant what I just said, what I just decided in my heart? But no one likes to hear that. We want our lives, uh, I'm, okay, I'm just going to speak for myself, okay, because who am I to speak for you, and, I, and, I, and I've, I'm learning that. Sometimes I feel like I speak for you guys, and I should not do that anymore. So I'll speak for myself. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to be easy. Any, anyone in here? I want my life to be easy. All right, so this is the two or three of you that nodded your head, we want our lives to be easy. We want for people to see that, that, hey, in Christ, look at all this good stuff. 
in Jesus. Look at all this good stuff you're missing out on. You must feel so bad. You must feel so bad that you're not in Christ. Because look at what you're going through. Look what's, look what's going on in your life compared to us. It's easy in Jesus. That's what we want to tell people. That's what we wish our message was. I wrote this down. The greatest lie that you could ever tell someone is that life gets easier with Jesus. It's the greatest lie you could tell someone. Oh, life gets so much easier with Jesus. What should be told is that life gets better with Jesus. But better is not always easy. Better, many times, is the difficult path. Sometimes the easy path leads to destruction. Isn't that biblical? So, so I feel like the church really needs to hear this. And I feel like Peter needed the church to really hear this. I need to hear this. Sometimes that better that we're speaking about that today can be experienced through suffering. Oh, life is better with Jesus. Amen. We all want better with Jesus. But then the second part of that statement is, and many times that better can be experienced through suffering. And that's a, that's a very uh, strong and powerful uh, thing. I, I'm not expecting a lot of amens today because we're talking about suffering. I'm not expecting for any of you to clap and say, preach it, you know. So I, I prepared myself mentally <laughs> that when I was going to come up here to truly just like see just like faces that are going to just be dead on <laughs> and just be okay with it. So I get it. Don't worry about it. You're not making me feel weird. I prepared myself mentally for it. So Peter is saying when you suffer in these verses here, you're you're sharing something special with Christ. Have you ever thought about that? And that suffering is caused for maybe just this one main reason. And here's what he says. That one day his glory will be revealed and in that you will have wonderful joy. Just... Just, I want you to see what Peter is telling the church because when Peter writes to this church, the church looks different than the church here in Hialeah, Florida, 2021. The church is being extremely persecuted. The church knows people probably in close relationship that was probably arrested and maybe even killed and burned. I mean, they've seen and gone through some very strong, difficult times in the early church. So Peter needs to lead them as an apostle and not give them this false picture of what it means to follow Jesus Christ, but a true picture of, hey, if you're going to continue on this journey and you're giving your life to Jesus, part of that understanding is you need to know that you're going to suffer. And in suffering, you need to know that it's special though. Don't think you're suffering as something strange, as something bad, or as something evil. Many times Christians start to suffer and they're like, oh, Satan is tempting me. No, he's not. The Lord has given you a gift of suffering so you can learn to what? Exercise joy in it. 
So, so sometimes we, we point the picture immediately, oh, the devil is doing this, or that person has caused this. And what we may not realize is that the Lord is allowing it because he wants to produce something. And this is what Peter is telling the church. You're doing this walk. You're walking it together. You're going to share in suffering. And as you do, consider it special because you share it. You are a partaker with Jesus. You share this beauty with Jesus. And for the hearer, that's something like, that's humbling for, for you to sit here today and say, I could share something with Christ. I share it with him. And, and, and in that suffering, it is all for this thing that one day his glory would be revealed. And on that day of revelation, I am going to be filled with so much joy. I want you to know that whatever is taking away your joy today, find Christ in it. Try to continue. There's going to be a day where his glory will be revealed. And on that day, all suffering on earth will be worth it. All suffering. And that's what Peter's telling the church. Trust me. It'll all be worth it. The whole world will one day see the revelation of Jesus. Right now, there are a million false revelations, if you want to call it that. I don't know if that's an accurate statement, but there's a million so-called truths that are actually false. And, then, and one day, the whole world will see the revelation that Jesus that Jesus is actually alive and true and reigns and he's powerful. One day the whole world will see that revelation. And on that day all sufferings will be worth it. As we stand on that great day of revelation of his glory. For all to see and we stand with him. Yes as co-heirs and also as partakers in the same suffering that Christ suffered in. So with this said, I, I want to make sure I'm clear because as I was before I jump into the next points or anything like that, and especially as we read verse 12 and 13, let me be clear for a moment. Do not look for suffering. Oh, we're called to suffer. So you leave here today like, well, I got to go look for suffering because I'm, I'm not really suffering in my life. So I got, now you've become the strange thing. The suffering is not the strange thing. You are strange. I saw a show one time, I think it was in Europe or something like that, and these so-called sects of Christians, I guess you would call them, they do once a year, they feel like, this was years ago, so forgive me for not knowing what the holiday is called, but maybe it's during Christmas time, I don't know, maybe it's during Easter time, it might be during Easter time, forgive me, it makes more sense. And they feel like, hey, we need to share in Christ's suffering, so they get these, they get these whips and they, they do a... a, a a march like a parade and they and they they whip themselves many of them walk on their knees and they're full of blood and they and they they're doing that on Easter because they're suffering for Jesus I look at that screen and I say no you're a fool that's not suffering for Jesus that's you being a spectacle for the sake of being a spectacle but Christ did not tell you to be a fool Christ called you to walk in what? Man, in, with grace, with purity, that if you're going to suffer, you suffer for his sake. You don't go looking for suffering just because I need to suffer something for Jesus. So we suffer, but, I'm, but I want to make sure I'm clear in saying don't leave here today and look for suffering. Because people are going to draw away from you and be like, yeah, I don't think I want to be your friend anymore. I don't want to think I want to go to your church, so stop inviting me to your church. 
I don't think that I want to serve that God, so don't talk to me about your God. Don't necessarily look for suffering, but welcome suffering. Those are two different things. Looking for suffering and welcoming suffering. Now, I will say this. Many are Christians that look for suffering. But we're called to welcome suffering. And you welcome it with joy when it arrives. I hope you're taking notes. For ultimately, your perseverance in it will reveal the glory of the Lord. I will say it again. Do not look for suffering as some strange person. But you welcome it with joy when it arrives. For ultimately, your perseverance in that suffering will reveal the glory of the Lord. So maybe you're here and you're in a moment of suffering in your life. And I'd ask you this. Have you ever considered that God has blessed you with a gift of suffering because there's a people in your life through your perseverance. They, he wants them to see Jesus. And when we're so in love with Jesus, it's hard, it's scary to say this. That's the place where we say, then this suffering is worth it if it leads one soul to Christ. That's what Peter said in the church. I know. I, I don't want that either. We all want the easy life. But not everyone's blessed. Some die at 90 and 100 and 113. I saw someone's grandfather was 113 yesterday. And the guy looked good. I said, that's cool. I'll be 113 if I'm like that still. And then some die at 7, 8, 12, 20, 40. Tragic things like what happened here in Miami. We don't, we don't have control of these moments of suffering. But learning to find the Lord in all these moments of suffering. And to the believers here he's, that he's writing to, he calls specifically these sufferings. What does he call them? He says fiery, fiery trials. <laughs> I think that is such a beautiful thing to call sufferings. Anything that has fire in it is perfect. Fiery trials, he calls them. The word fiery in the Greek, it's a burning, obviously. But it means the burning by which metals are roasted and, and reduced. I like this. It's a figure that is drawn from a refiner's fire. So it's a refining fire. I want you to think about what Peter is saying. I'm going to read it one more time. Verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised. Do not think it's strange at the fiery trials that you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, you what? You'd be very glad. Now, we look at this and what Peter is saying is, he's saying, do not be surprised. Do not think it strange at the what? Fire that is refining you. At the fire that is melting away, removing from your life something that is called impurities. So these trials and these sufferings have a way to refine us. If we are in Christ and we are experiencing suffering, that suffering should be doing a work of refining us. The suffering should be doing a work to remove impurities in your life. In my life, all of our lives. And hopefully someone here has gone through that and said, I've suffered and because of my suffering, I have come to see the face of Christ so much more clearly. Uh, I love how uh, the New King James describes this. He says, trials 
were common to first century Christians. The book of Acts testifies that Christians were slandered, defamed, boycotted, mobbed, imprisoned, and even killed because of their faith. Hostility to the gospel and to Christians themselves, it was evident. It was all there in the early church. Christians were targets of attacks because they no longer participated in pagan religious practices. This is the people that Peter's writing to. Since they were the ones who abandoned the so-called gods of the people, Christians were blamed from everything, from natural disasters to economic downturns. They were even more vulnerable because they were often strangers in a city, having been driven out of, their, of other cities by persecution or having come from a Jewish background. These early Christians often had little security, low social status, many of them were slaves, and little recourse of government protection. And what is Peter doing? He's writing to encourage them because he knows where they're at. He's one of them. You have to love Peter's transformation. How many of you love Peter's transformation? Peter once told Jesus, hey, you don't have to die on the cross. Did you guys know that? Avoid the cross at all costs. You're the leader. You're the Messiah. You die on the cross? No way. Peter once counseled Jesus. Because <laughs> you know your very own brother could counsel you wrong. You know? And he counseled them and he says, hey, you don't, you don't need to die on the cross. He, he tried to tell Jesus to avoid the suffering on the cross. And he shares that in, in Mark chapter 8. But I want to read verses 32 and 33 because I love Peter's transformation. In verse 32, when he shares this to Jesus, verse 32, it says, He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Peter, if you're going to rebuke anyone, don't, do, don't rebuke Jesus. Verse 33, but when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he now rebukes Peter. <laughs> what a sight this was. This, is, this gives me hope because sometimes I'm like, God, when is people in church going to get it? I'm like, oh, cool. Jesus and the disciples, sometimes it was hard. They didn't get it. So it's a journey. It's a process. We just want like all of our relationships to be perfect. And here's, Je here's Peter rebuking Jesus and Jesus rebuking Peter back. And, and can you imagine that? And then you're like, we have hope at Nest Church. <laughs> if Fulanito and Fulanita can't get along, hey, Peter and Jesus are rebuking each other. And at the end, it all ends good. Peter dies upside down for him. So it all, it's all good. We have hope at Nest Church. Amen? All right. So <laughs> Peter... He turns around and he looks at his disciples and he rebukes Peter and this is what he says. Now, now, like if I was Peter, I would be like, yeah, Jesus, you went a little too far, man. I just told you not to die on the cross, but like, you had to go there. All right, so what does Jesus say? He says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Dang. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. So Jesus was not just rebuking Peter for what he was saying right there, but Jesus was rebuking his heart because his heart was resting on the things of this world, on the things of man, and it wasn't on the kingdom of heaven. And in that moment, 
He was being governed and ruled. He was being what? He was being pressured by the prince of this world rather than by the king of kings that stood with him. So Jesus was rebuking that thing and rebuking that mindset and the heart. I I love Peter's transformation. Because this was a true story that happened between Peter and Jesus. And once it seemed strange to Peter, this apostle, that his master should ever think of suffering. And now, what is Peter writing to the early church? He thinks it's strange that he could have imagined anything else. No, we're all called to suffer. I love Peter's transformation because he went from Jesus, you'll never suffer in that on the cross, to now writing a letter to all the churches that says, you all must suffer for Jesus. You look at that and you say, whoa, Peter, that's two extremes. Because his heart was transformed. He, he went from having a heart of this world to the heart of heaven, the heart of God. And now he was giving them a message. And he was teaching them about biblical suffering, Christian suffering, and what they might have to face. And finding joy in it. And know that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And learning how to, how to rest in that. And then learning that the suffering sometimes brings out better in them. And he's teaching the church all of this. And then he goes on in verse 14. And look what he says. If you are insulted... That's a part of being, going through suffering, being insulted. Have you ever been insulted? Not because you deserved it, but because for the sake of Christ. <laughs> you're insulted. Well, if you're insulted because you bear the name of Jesus. Did you see that? If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ. Look what he says next. You will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. You should say amen there. That's a good one. The word insulted there is part of our suffering. Have you ever been criticized because of your faith? Have you ever been criticized at work? Have you ever been criticized by your family? Have you ever been criticized by someone in the street? Have you ever been criticized? And this is what Peter's telling the church. When you've been insulted, when you've been criticized. Or another way of describing this word insulted means this. Your good reputation has been damaged by the slander of others. Have you ever been there? And that's what... Peter is telling the church, if you have ever been insulted or if your good has been slandered by someone else, if your person has been damaged by the slander of others, all of that, if it's for Jesus, then it's worth it. Because then what? People will see the glorious spirit of God that lives in you. Come on. All right, I'm going to teach on this for a moment. So, So this is important because... If you have not been insulted or slandered or someone has not tried to destroy maybe your good reputation, I'm telling you that it's going to happen at some point. It will happen. And remember when someone begins to speak ill of someone else. If you're in a conversation and one person begins to speak ill of another person, I want all of us to know that that individual is just trying to cover up their own wrong. There's no reason to slander or speak ill of someone. It's because they're trying to cover their own wrong. They're trying to keep hidden, listen to this, the very sickness in their heart to cause you to believe that there is sickness in someone else's heart. So what do they do? They begin to slander the brethren. Why? For the main reason that they're sick. But they want to get you to think that, no, that person's sick. And that's what Peter is encouraging the church to remember. It's not necessarily for bad, it's for good. And please be aware 
that when someone slanders another, don't take it as truth, but take it as a warning that that individual is covering up some of their own issues. So if you find yourself, please listen to this, on the other end of this, of being slandered, don't think that you have to prove yourself or defend yourself. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. I can't believe they said this about me. I'm going to say this next. No. If you're being slandered, you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. Most likely, the greatest thing that you could do is stay quiet. And know that if you just stay quiet, you will be blessed. It says here in Scripture, you will be blessed. Why will I be blessed? I need to get even. I need to prove my case. You will be blessed for the glorious Spirit of God will show that it rests in you. So remember, well, I don't know if this is biblical. Okay. Remember, Jesus never had to defend himself. Jesus never had to speak to defend himself. The spirit that lived in him, if you study the Gospels, the spirit that lived in him spoke powerful in his silence. To the point that when he died, he didn't have to say anything. And they said, we killed the son of God. Because his spirit gave testimony of who he truly was. Verse 15 he says, if you suffer, however, because we're still talking about suffering, it must not be. Look what he It must not be for murder, for stealing, for making trouble, for prying into other people's affairs. Do you know what that word prime means? To be a meddler. That, that means a busybody. Another translation says, a busybody in other people's matters. You might know someone that's like, hmm, and what's going on with that person? Like, eh, they're busybodies. They're busybodies. When they're trying to get answers from you about other, someone else, no good. They're just busybodies. I'm sorry if that's one of you. I love you. They're just busybodies. Busybodies. That's what Peter, this is not me, this is God, this is the word of God. Peter's writing this. If you suffer, don't suffer for those things. Don't suffer for being a, a busybody, a, a murderer, a thief, one who makes trouble. Verse 16, it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. How many of you can say amen? Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. So what I mean by this is that there's a difference between suffering as a Christian and suffering as an evildoer. There's two different kinds of suffering. Suffering because, hey, you did the crime, you did the time. And then there's suffering for the sake of, you have a good reputation, but you're suffering for the sake of Jesus. Stay still. God will be glorified in it. I've had the privilege to visit certain people in prisons. And they've asked, I've shared, I've given them encouragement through the window, uh, through personal contact. And, and many times I, I leave there. And I'm like, well, God could do a miracle. But I know that deep in my head, I'm like, they kind of deserve to be in there. They have to, you know, they have to do their time. They're, they're suffering because of evil doing. Sometimes we see that God has grace and God forgives and God releases people from that. But there's some that are Christians that they fall and they do something that is of evil doing. And they have to suffer for that. 
But what I'm talking about specifically and what Peter is reminding the church is the suffering for being a Christian. The question that I started with, should Christians suffer? Well, we have the answer already. It's 100%. Yeah, why not? Christians should be able to suffer and they should be able to pass that suffering very well. That Christ would be lifted up. But that you would not be a murderer, a thief, making trouble, or a busybody, like I said. Busybodies are, are dangerous people. You see, this is what I think about busybodies, meddlers. People that speak about others all the time. This is what I think. They're not concerned with the condition of others. They're more concerned with the gossip that can be found in others. And that's different. Why are you asking me to tell you the story about her? Is it because you're concerned about her? Or is it because you're more interested in the gossip of her? That's the heart of the meddler, of the busybody. But as Christians, we're not called to be that. We're not called to be thieves or murderers or make trouble. If you're constantly making trouble, you constantly have a problem. And this is why you might be going through suffering. And Peter is telling the church, if you suffer for anything, it's for the sake of Jesus. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, if you are suffering, suffering for the name of Christ, it is a blessing because in that it shows that you are really following Jesus and that we suffer because we will identify with him. Suffering as an evil doer, it's deserved. Anyone that suffers for being, for doing evil, for doing wrong, they deserve it. And guess what that does? It brings shame to the name of Jesus. Peter recognized that not all suffering that Christians experience is actual suffering for Jesus. But if it's in Christ, then what does he say in that? Then there is no shame. Boast in that suffering. We don't glorify God for suffering, but we do glorify him in suffering. We boast in him in that suffering. And we glorify him for what he's going to accomplish in us and through us with the suffering. And he's telling that to the early church. You're going to suffer, but it's going to be for good. Amen. All right, let's keep going. Verse 17, because we're going to start wrapping this up soon. He says, for the time has come for judgment. And it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, another translation will say, scarcely or scarcely saved, sorry, what will happen to godless sinners? This is powerful because he's introducing a barely saved. And, and I, I started to think about verse 17 and 18, and right off the bat, we could all come in agreement with this, that no one is able to be saved by, by his or her good works. Now, one of us, and since everyone deserves from death, we, we're in sin, and we could say we deserve condemnation, the fact that anyone is saved solely is, saved, is solely the result of this one thing which we talked about last week, which is if I am saved, it is solely because of the grace of God. If I have any good in me, it's because of the grace of God. I'm going to read to you a scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, that talks about this salvation and his grace it says for by the grace you have been saved through faith it's by grace you've been saved and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that not one may boast 
So if you're going to boast in anything, it's in the grace of God, not in our good works, but that God's grace through him, he saved me. So what Peter is introducing here is there's going to be a time of judgment. There's going to be a time where, where, where things are going to be settled and it's going to begin at the house of God. Now when you look at this context of scripture and of suffering, Peter tells us that judgment begins at the house of God. Right now, God is using, and in this letter, as he's writing to the early church, what's the judgment? Did you catch what the judgment is that begins in the house of God that Peter is writing about? When you're reading through the context of scripture, suffering is being used as a judgment. And don't necessarily think that judgment is always negative. We've taught that here many times. To the believer, judgment is a good thing. If you are in Christ, you should not fear judgment. If you are in Christ, you what? You long for your judgment. Why? Because through the suffering on earth, through that judgment that we're going through, it's bringing out po something positive. It's purifying something in a sense for all of us, for Christians. And it starts at the house of God. I'm going to quote um, Charles Spurgeon. This is what he says. There is equity in suffering. For Christians profess to be better than others, so they ought to be. They say they are regenerate, so they ought to be regenerate. They say they are holy people separated unto Christ, so they ought to be holy and separate from sinners as he was. So what is Charles Spurgeon saying? If you are in Christ, then what? Then your whole life testifies that you are, you are separated from what? Those that are sick in the condition of this world. Oh, but we are a holy people. Are you a holy people? Oh, you've been redeemed. Are you living in redemption? Oh, I'm sanctified. Are you living in sanctification? And that's what Charles Spurgeon is saying. If the Christians believe that this word of God is alive in them, then they testify of that in their life on earth. And Spurgeon is saying, then let them be separate from sinners as Jesus lived on this earth and was separate from sinners. So we're called to live on this earth and also be separated from sinners. So we bring forth this introduction as Peter is doing to the early church. And hey, should Christians suffer? And the answer to the early church is yes. Because in suffering, it's a form of positive and pure judgment to bring the aroma of Christ so that the world can see it. And now is our time. And that's what he's telling the church. Now is our time of fiery trial. The ungodly, they're going to have their fire later. The fire that we endure, now it purifies us. The fire that the ungodly will endure will punish them. Did you see the difference between judgment? Our judgment in Christ purifies us. The world, the, those that are ungodly, their judgment will what? Will cause them to be punished. If you are in Christ, you're not going to be punished. If you're in Christ, expect to continue to be purified. And many times for that purification to happen... He needs to bring out the refiner's fire so that he could melt away the metals, the things in your life, the impurities that need to be melted away. So the fiery trial purifies. Their fiery trial punishes. We always remember that there is never any punishment from God for us in our sufferings. sufferings. There's only, only purification. For the Christian the issue of punishment, it is settled once and for all. And Jesus died on the cross and he endured all the punishment that the Christian should ever face from God. Amen? The same fire that consumes the straw is also the same fire that purifies gold. 
The fire is the same, but I want you to know that the purpose and application is different. When we stand before the fire of God, it is meant to purify us. When the ungodly on that day of judgment stand before the fire of God, it will be meant to punish them. Amen. That I get to stand on the purification side of the fire of God. This is why when we have conversations and we talk about exposed, exposed is good. Why? Because it's, it's to bring something good. Because God loves that person that much. Christians do suffer. And they suffer at times some of the same things that ungodly people do. But yet the purpose of God is different. And the effect is always different. So maybe you're suffering the same thing that an ungodly person is suffering. But your suffering, is it producing the righteousness? Is it revealing the glory of God in your life where theirs is not? That's where your suffering is so much more pure than those who suffer outside of Jesus. So should you suffer, if it comes to you, you welcome it for it's, the, it's for the glory of God. Amen? Verse 19, and I, I'm going to close up with this. He says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, look what he says, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you. For he will never fail you. What a beautiful scripture this is. Let's read it one more time. For if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, then you keep doing what is right. And you trust your lives to God because he's the one who created you and he never fails you. The new King James says it a little bit different. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. You read verse 19 and I think it's a, a beautiful place to stop at. Christians in this verse, Peter is teaching that the Christians are to entrust. Entrust their very lives to God. What, what does entrust your life to God mean? Another translation, like the New King James, says, Commit your soul to God. Well, how should I entrust? How should I commit my life and my soul to God? He says, Especially in the midst of suffering, you trust God. I get that our suffering as we opened up with is different than the suffering of the one who is being persecuted for their faith maybe in another region in the world. But their suffering, you may look at it and say, well, that's not fair. God should never allow that. Peter is telling the church that was going through this and that will continue to go through this, if you do suffer, then you commit your soul you entrust your life in the middle, in the midst of that suffering. Always recognizing that he is the faithful creator who is in control of all things. So in your suffering, you are reminded that God is in control and has never ceased being in control. How many of you are suffering today? I have a message for you. God is in control. He's in control. He's a faithful creator. 
I read this and I wanted to share it. Much of, much of the agony that we put ourselves through at times of trial and in suffering has to do with our disregard for God's faithfulness or his place as a creator. He is our sovereign creator with the right to do with us whatever he pleases. But yet he is faithful and he will ultimately do what is best for us. As I get ready to close, I want to share two, two scriptures with you and share these two points that we know so well. Number one, God will never give you more than you can handle. If you're here today, you're present today, you have breath, you're alive today, I want to congratulate you because you've been able to handle whatever it is that's been given to you. And God will never give you more than what you can handle. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. It doesn't end there. It says, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you would be able to bear it. The Lord is with us in our suffering and he knows what we're able to handle and not handle. That's my first point. Point number two, everything God does always has a good purpose. In Romans 8.28 it says, we know that all things work together for the good. In my suffering, all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Amen? So I end with something very incredible here. I end with the first two verses that we read. That's verse 12 and 13. And then with verse 19. So I'm going to read 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Then I'm going to read verse 13. And then I'm going to finish it off with the last verse, verse 19, that we finish with today. Listen to this. 1 Peter 4, 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised don't think it's strange at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partakers with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Verse 19. So if you are suffering, in a manner that keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God who created you for he will never fail you. I want you to close your eyes there for a moment. Lord, as we're just in this place and as we sit under this word, as Peter is writing to an a group of Christians that know so well what suffering for Jesus looks like. And Lord, many times we may lose the understanding of that. And for some of us, it's a real thing. We go through this every day of our lives. 
We've had to learn how to persevere in the suffering so that Christ would be revealed. Lord, there's other brothers and sisters all of scattered throughout scattered throughout the world that are suffering maybe in ways that I feel I can never handle. They're under conditions that are difficult to even speak about. But yet gladly they suffer for the sake of Jesus. I think about Hebrews chapter 11, which we didn't get into. There's so many more scriptures of so many who have suffered for Jesus. So many who have suffered for the sake of the gospel. So many who are true heroes, who are so honorable that man can't even write about them because of such an honor they have. Those are the true honorable ones on earth. And those are brothers and sisters that we will meet one day in glory. And I humbly could stand before your presence and thank you for allowing me, for allowing us to be part of such a great company of witnesses of Christ that laid their lives down to suffer to be a Christian if that's what it meant and these are individuals that give us hope these are individuals that laid laid down the path for us these are individuals that some of them would have to would bear so much more than we could than we would, would ever bear in our lifetime But we're grateful for their story. We're grateful that authors wrote about them. We thank you because in scripture from the first pages that we open to the last page that we close, we see that we're, we share something in common with you, Lord. And we share something in common with many others in the faith. And that is that we share in suffering for the sake of our God. And to every single one of us, it's so worth it. Because there will be a great day when the glory of Christ would be revealed. And on that day, I would truly know what ultimate joy feels like from sharing in those sufferings. But as I wait and as we wait for those days and as many brothers and sisters throughout the world wait for that day, let them experience joys now in their life a joy that will continue them to persevere strengthen them to wave the banner a joy that will testify of the love of Christ in their lives if there's anyone that is suffering in this place here today maybe it's someone that's watching right now someone that will watch in the future maybe someone that's sitting right here this is the word that they needed to hear on this independence day they needed to hear that their dependence is on you in the midst of their suffering I thank you because you're a God that is always on time and faithful and if it's just for that one person thank you for being on time for that one person that they could know that their life is not over that they could know that there's still hope in their suffering that they could know that whatever it is that they're dealing with in their mind 
with their body, whatever they're dealing with in family, whatever it is that they're juggling in their lives, that there is a way that Christ can be glorified, that they could be an instrument of honor and that they could find joy, that they could find rest, that they could find hope and that they would not surrender and give up in the place of suffering. So as I ask, should I suffer, Lord? The answer is yes, Rigo, you should, but don't go looking for it. But when it comes to you, just welcome it. And welcome it knowing that I'm doing a greater work in you. And let the refiner's fire, let it do that. So that the character of Christ could come out. And all I could hope to say is yes, Lord. Here I am. Let your fire melt in me. In me, all that needs to be melted. So that I could be more like you. How many of you could say that? Can you stand with me? Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Nancy. We thank you, Lord. I want to do something special just because I feel like it's a a great place to do this and just to pray for one another. Maybe today you feel like, hey, there's nothing that anyone could maybe do for me, but I just need someone to get around me and just pray with me because I'm suffering in my life and I want to find joy and I want to persevere more importantly just I want to persevere that the glory of God would be revealed in my suffering I want to I want to suffer well for Jesus and I want to honor him in my suffering and today I, I want to be sensitive to that and today if you feel like you just need prayer with every eye closed I, I, I'm going to I'm going to welcome you and invite you just to come up here If you want to get on your knees, you could get on your knees. If you just want to stand up here, stand. But if you're in a place that could relate to this suffering right now, and it's it's a burden in your life, we just want to get along. We want to get alongside you today, and we just want to spend a moment in prayer, just believing with you. We want to come in agreement with you. We want to trust the Lord with you. We may not have the answers, obviously. But we have Jesus, and we could rest on that today. So if you want to come up, let's take a moment of just ministry. Let us not rush out of here so quickly. Let, let us spend the time to just, just minister and cry out and to find encouragement and strength. Amen. The altar's open. The, if you want to come up here and pray.
shame and gave me life Your love like a fire has taken hold I'm claimed by the cross forevermore I was yours the moment you called me yours when you laid down your life for all and you rose from the grave when death was defeated by love love like fire love like
testify of their own struggle, their own suffering. I instantly think about so many individuals, you know, you, you think about these known stories like Daniel in the lion's den, or you think about the three Hebrews that were thrown into the fiery furnace, cranked up, with the heat cranked up, that it killed the very guards that threw them in, that's how hot it was. And then we could go to lesser stories that are less popular and some that are just as popular. And scripture is filled with stories like that. You did not remove them from the fire, but you placed yourself in the fire with them. And to me, Lord, that's such a beauty about my relationship with you. And that's such a beauty for all of us that the Lord may not remove the lions from your life or he may not remove the fire from your life but he appears in the midst of it to show you that he's going to keep you and he's going to hold you in the suffering so that the very lions and that the very fire and that your very suffering cannot scorch you your very suffering will not diminish you but your suffering is going to produce that his name be lifted up. And because he's such a good God, he doesn't handle it from afar, but he jumps into your problem and he jumps into your suffering because he loves you that much. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He left glory everything that was perfection to enter into a world that was made dark by sin and that has lost its perfection so that he could draw those who have been set apart who have become enemies of God so that he could come back in the midst in the, in the in the center of our world 
conquered the suffering of this world to resurrect to display to every person that he took on the suffering not from afar from a distance where he just maybe places his finger in the hot water but he completely submerged himself into the suffering world to save a suffering people so that we could have the light of Christ alive and shining through us. Lord, we're humbled by that truth. So Lord, if there's suffering in our lives, let us welcome it for the glory of the Lord. And if there's future suffering, let us welcome it for the glory of the Lord. Because we know that we serve a God that does not watch from a distance. But our Lord stands in the middle of it with us. And he holds us together. And we say thank you, Lord, for you've never left us, nor have you ever forsaken us. For your great purpose is being accomplished. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, together we say, Amen. Can you give God some praise? He's so worthy. He's so worthy.